1: Chewing the fat with Jeff Fisher. I don't know how angry I would be, but I would be really, really angry. And I don't know what you do, because you probably end up get thrown in jail. Uh, A flight, a United Airlines flight from Newark to Denver, here in the United States of America, taxied so long on the runway. Yeah, uh, we're going to have to turn this thing. uh, We're going to have to go back in. Uh, We need to refuel. Where they didn't have enough gas to get to Denver oh okay um, we've only been out here on the tarmac for six hours I mean after a couple hours you know maybe I give you two before I start being a little unhappy <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah, we just taxied on a tarmac, and we were out there for you know six hours, and then we decided that uh, we didn't have enough gas, so they rolled it back in and told everyone to get off the plane so they could they could refuel. They got off the plane, then they got a text from the United app that said, "Ah, oh, yeah, your flight's been canceled." And then they were they were told, "No, no, 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 no. You reboard. We're fine. We're going to refuel. Go ahead and reboard." So they brought everybody back on the plane. Then they got everybody back on the plane and then they decided, yeah, you know what? The flight's canceled. Take care. Get off. Have a nice day. Good luck. God bless. Oh, and I know that you've been on the plane for, you know, eight and a half hours, but you can say thank you for the cup of water and the the little package of cookies that I gave you. Okay, don't leave before you say thank you. Just incredible. Now they claim, the FAA, that the average delay across the national airspace system on Monday, uh, was 37 minutes and 92%, oh, 92% of those delays were due to weather 5%. Yeah. was due to volume and only 3% was due to staffing. I don't know what you would call this just, uh, dumb luck. Yeah. Dumb luck. I mean, I would be so angry. I would be in jail. I would be very angry. I've told the story in Phoenix. You know, once you think you're going to be on time, they land on time and then they sit you on the tarmac and you miss your connecting flight because the connecting flight has been overbooked and it's full and they don't want people to be able to get to the connecting flight. So they keep you out on the tarmac for that extra amount of time so that you can exit the plane and realize, yeah, you're not going to make that connecting flight. So we just have to work something else out. Man, I was so mad. I've told that story a number of times. I know you're, you know, I'm tired of telling it. but I was close to being thrown into jail. Then we raced, raced to get to that flight because they originally said, yeah, you still have time. And then they said, okay, when we, when we finally got to the gate, they said, okay, only passengers that have a connecting flight to here can, uh, disembark. Let's Let's get them off the plane first. And then we started getting up to get off. And then they decided, nah, everybody could go ahead and get off. You're fine. So now you've got a traffic jam. So it takes us longer to get off the plane. I've got my wife, my two children. And so we run to the next gate in Phoenix. And as I'm turning the corner, and at that time, I mean, I didn't run. Don't be silly. But I mean, we hurried, hurriedly walked, (laughs) walked hurriedly. (laughs) <laughs> uh you know we got the we got the carry-ons and the kids and uh we I re- I'll never I will never forget turning the corner at our airside and having the flight attendant air waitress uh door handler look at us and go, "Oh, are you supposed to be on this flight?" and close the door. Oh man, I was so mad. If it wasn't for my wife, and I've said this before, but if it wasn't for my wife, I would have been in jail. There's no question. I would have been in jail. And then when we went to fix it, they said, well, you got to go over here and they'll take care of you. And the lady said, uh, there was a bunch of people there, obviously, uh, because you know, more than our family was delayed. Uh, is there a problem? Yeah, there's a big problem. I, my wife is like, okay, all right, I'll take care of it. Just go out there. I mean, holy cow. So, I don't know what I would have done. You're out on a tarmac for six hours with just a cup of water. I mean, the only saving grace is, is that at least the AC is running, right? I mean, if you're sitting at the gate, you probably don't have the AC on. People talk about being stuck at the gate forever without any AC and nothing to drink. At least on the tarmac, you got a little AC because the plane's running. I, I, I wouldn't have been able to take it. I would not have been able to take it. But I'm sure that United is very, very sorry for the delay and they're going to do everything in its power to not let something like this happen again. Welcome. Welcome to Chewing the Fat. Well, here we go again. Two women have sued a man that's been around forever, and that everyone, uh, because of the way he's portrayed in the media, loves George Foreman, uh, the former heavyweight champion of the world uh, in boxing, and uh, pitchman, sold you know hundreds of millions of dollars worth of merchandise. I mean, he's worth two or three hundred million dollars. I mean, he's worth a lot of money, and he's really everyone that's ever met him. Well, not everyone now. Uh, Most people that have met him think he's a nice guy. He's 73 now. He's being sued for $25 million, at least. $25 million. Claiming by two women who claimed he groomed and sexually abused them when he was in his 20s, and they were aged 13 and 16. They filed lawsuits against the allegedly abusive ex-heavyweight champ. So, almost 50 years after the alleged incident? Okay. Uh, George said, I don't pick fights, but I don't run away from them either. And uh, he has vehemently denied these claims, these allegations. Uh, no problem. He said that, uh, you know, this is absolutely not true. He denies all of the allegations. Now, the two women claim that he, you know, obviously groomed them. She, uh, there are two separate lawsuits claiming compensation for physical and mental pain and suffering. Ugh. Uh, he met the girls when they were under the age of 10. He had sex with them when they were 15 and he was already a boxing champ. They allege, they allege that uh, he threatened to fire her father the one girl says that her father worked for him and he said you know hey i'll fire your i'll fire your dad if you don't do what i say oh okay well last month george released a statement saying uh two women have been trying to extort millions of dollars each from me and my family uh how about no uh according to tmz they uh the women initially asked foreman for 12.5 million hey we won't say anything if you give us 12.5 million each and george is like um uh, no so it's been i mean since the 70s wow uh they falsely claim that he sexually abused uh, them for 45 years ago in the 70s i adamantly and categorically deny these allegations Uh, The pride I take in my reputation means as much to me as my sports accomplishments, and I will not be intimidated by baseless threats and lies. Okay. Uh, Just amazing that this is happening. I mean, look, if it's true, and that is a very, very big if, because I am on George's side here. I mean, it seems that... uh, you know, if, like I said if it's if if it's true uh you know he should be uh, you know in jail no question but uh, this is part of the deal with the new law in California that has resulted in thousands of lawsuits uh, that's what enabled uh, the same uh, the legislation that enabled uh, Judy Huth to sue Bill Cosby for uh, you know raping her at Playboy Mansion when she was 15. So, uh, we'll see. I I mean, we'll just, we'll see. I, I, I don't buy it. So, it's been 50 years and now you're going after him? Now you're going after George Foreman? It just doesn't seem real. And, you know, if it is, if it comes out that it is, he absolutely should be in jail. And boy, if it is, again, if it is, wow. I mean, he's got an incredible an incredible catalog behind him of being a good guy and it all gets burned to the ground. Uh, Bill Cosby is well aware of something like that. You know, a guy like Harvey Weinstein really didn't have a good track record. <laughs> but these women were using him. I mean, we can go on and on about Harvey Weinstein, my feelings on that. Uh, you know, he's obviously, you know, a, a douchebag, but, uh, you know, these women got a lot out of Harvey yeah, you know, both in the hotel room and out. Uh, anyway, it's just, uh, George Foreman. Let's, I mean, I hope that it's not true because, and, and it's a shame now that George Foreman at 73 years of age, uh, if he's innocent, if he actually is innocent and, and I believe him, he says he is, uh, that he, I mean, he's now, this taints him forever now, forever. Forever until he dies. George Foreman, the heavyweight champion of the once heavyweight champion of the world, the George Foreman pitch man, one of the best pitchmen in the world, hawking his goods on TV. And now and we also have a lawsuit against him or molesting little girls. Always, from now on. That's kinda sad. And that's even with you know, I, I innocent until proven guilty, innocent until proven guilty, which is, you know, even questionable in today's world. But I mean that you still have, you still have the allegations hanging over you. You still have to go to court. You still have to prove it. And then you come out of the courtroom and uh, you know, a percentage of the people, well, they got it wrong. He's a dirtbag. So good luck, George. Good luck. All right, let's go to the break room. I need something cool to drink, and I could use a burger off the old George Foreman grill too. Come to think of it.
2: <laughs>
1: and when I say burgers uh, on the old George Foreman grill, I mean cow burgers, beef burgers. I see where now we have scientists that have come up with these worm burgers and not the you know like where you have the burgers with the worms on top I mean who doesn't enjoy a good batch of worms on top of your burger <laughs> but a uh, a doc uh, Dr. He Cho the project leader from Wonkawang University so you know it's going to be good um, climate change is partially fueled by cow emissions yeah well no kidding duh Oh, hence the need for beef substitutes. No, no, I disagree with that, Doc. But he has created an actual meat alternative with worms. The worm burger. Yum, yum, yum. I mean, how much do you want a worm burger? (laughs) Insects are a nutritious and healthy food source with high amounts of fatty acids, vitamins, minerals, fiber, and high quality protein. Which is just like meat. <laughs> Mealworm contains beneficial essential amino acids and is high in unsaturated fatty acids. Oh man, and now you've convinced me. I don't even know why I'm you don't need to go on. You know, I'm all I'm with you. I'm with you. So I mean they're already putting uh, worm dust in our foods. We see it uh, from time to time. People have been sending me pics on Twitter at Jeffy JFR, Facebook, Jeff Fisher radio, Instagram, Jeff Fisher radio of, uh, product uh, descriptions of, uh, what's in the food. And there's this mealworm dust. I forget what it's called. Uh, it, I call it mealworm dust and it's there. It's better for you. It's all good for you. You heard just how good it is. But uh, apparently uh, mealworm is one of the most widely used edible insects in the world. And uh, good. But, it, uh, you know, now uh, with Cho, whose solution it has to grind the worms into a seasoning that can be added to various food. Oh, he can also do that too. Excellent. Yes. He's... Now this guy is on top of it. He has studied mealworms throughout their entire life cycle looking at how the compounds present differed in each stage. They found uh, volatile hydrocarbons that evaporated and resulted in strong scents. Oh, okay. So we wait until that gets done so we don't have to smell them. All right. Love that. So, uh, raw larvae smelled of wet soil, shrimp, and sweet corn, but changed depending on the method of cooking. Steamed mealworms emitted aromas of sweet corn, <laughs> while roasted and deep fried larvae were more oily. <laughs> <laughs> we had various amounts of mealworm and sugar in our testing samples, and we are ready to go with mealworm burgers. Yum, yum. So, as long as we're speaking about eating mealworms, <laughs> I mean, what are we? Neanderthals? I see we have a new study out there where researchers collected data on craniofacial morphology from the published literature. This ultimately resulted uh, in a data set including 13 Neanderthals, 233 prehistoric Homo sapiens, and 83 modern humans. They use the facial features and, uh, the DNA because, uh, they don't know when and where the Neanderthals and, uh, the old homo sapiens, uh, started hooking up, taking care of a little business. I mean, we've talked a lot about before, uh, you know, when Neanderthals and, uh, homo sapiens, uh, had a little business and, uh, created, uh, you know, the human being now. Uh, Because we know that at one point, I mean, uh, I'm sure the Homo sapiens were like, don't be messing with those, those people are weird. And the Neanderthals was like, I got to get me some of that. (laughs) I don't know where that came from, but I'm going to get me some of that. So apparently, uh, according to this study, the facial structure of prehistoric skulls supports the hypothesis that much of the interbreeding, much of the business between the Neanderthals and, uh, the homo sapiens, the early humans, uh, took place in the near East, the region ranging from North Africa to Iraq. So in that neck of the woods, uh, there was the humans and the Neanderthals and some, a few of them anyway, we don't know how many, <laughs> a few of them, uh, all looked at each other and said, Oh Yeah. Uh, have you seen that Neanderthal? I know that one there. Have you seen the Neanderthals? Were like, have you seen that human? I have. All right, let's <laughs> let's go take care of a little bit of business, and uh, that's uh, that's what the new study said. So it's nothing like Neanderthal and human business going on. It's only a few thousand years ago. I don't worry about it. I'll stop thinking about it, but it's difficult. I know that they lived, what, more than, I don't know, 11,000 years ago, maybe more. Uh, So... All that is to me is ongoing business. That's it, man. Just keep the the business ongoing. That's it. And our species will survive. Life will find a way. I've heard that before. I mean, we just found uh, this ancient... Insect spe- specimen, talking about uh, life imitating art or art imitating life, they found an ancient insect uh, trapped in a 100-million-year-old amber, which represents the oldest...
2: physogastric.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say.
2: Physogastric.
1: Okay, I got it.
2: Physogastric.
1: Thank you, I appreciate it. Physogastric, that's what I was going to say. Uh, it's the oldest... Physogastric insect whose abdomen can enlarge and elongate. That's what researchers said. I say leave it there. Leave it alone. Okay, it's trapped in tree resin, preserved in a time capsule. Let's just leave it alone. Don't start going in and getting DNA out of it. Because we've seen where that leads. Yeah, we have. And uh, we all know life We'll find a way. You know, maybe for dinosaurs, but not humans. As of yet, we do have a couple of who died today. Today's. Who died today? Today. Uh, Joe E. Tata, the actor, 85, battled with Alzheimer's for the last few years. Very sad. I don't wish that on anyone. Well... No, I don't wish that on anyone. I mean, the guy was a big time actor. He was just a TV guy, a working actor. He was in these huge shows, uh, you know, like you know TV shows. He was in all these TV shows as a background actor, and then uh, what you may remember him from is nine hundred two one zero, the TV series. I mean, he was he was in uh, huge episodes. He was like the owner of the Peach Pit for nine hundred two one zero. And, uh, he was in, I mean, they had, I don't know how many episodes that stupid show had a couple hundred, maybe 300 shows. And, uh, so, I mean, you, you would know him if you saw him, uh, Joe E. Tata, dead at the age of 85. And then we have one more in the who died today, although he didn't really die today. They just, they found him, uh, Steven Hoffenberg, former business partner, partner of Jeffrey Epstein uh, dead. Uh, they didn't know where he was. They wondered, hey, what's happening? Nobody's seen Steve. What's going on? Maybe we should have a wellness check. Yeah, we probably should. Oh, okay. well let's go to his house in Connecticut. Okay. Hello, Steve. Are you there? Yeah, uh, hello. Uh, no. Uh, we have a we have a body of a white male deceased. And a visual identification uh, cannot be made. Oof, it was a decomposing body. He'd been dead for a little while. So they believe uh, the autopsy is still pending. Uh, Death, uh, you know, the cause of death has not been determined, but there were no signs of trauma. Uh, We're awaiting a toxicology report and dental records to confirm that it's Hoffenberg's identity. Now he worked with Epstein, uh, in the, uh, debt collection agency where that was the, they had started a Ponzi scheme with, uh, Epstein and he spent 18 years in prison. Oof, that's not, uh, that's not good. So, uh, there you go. Uh, Steven Hoffenberg believed to be dead. At the age of 77. All right, is uh, Dr. Gabby Wilde on the line yet? She is? Excellent. So you, uh, you know that uh, as listeners to Chewing the Fat, that no one supports animals and zoos more than Chewing the Fat and me. Now I do, you know, I believe that humans are first, but animals, I love them. And I have Dr. Gabby Wild, who has a guide with National Geographic, I'm sorry, Nat Geo, on how to speak to animals. And it's based for everyone. I mean, it said it talks about how helps kids understand animals, Doc. But I mean, really, everyone believes that they have some way to communicate with their animals, right? So if we have if we have experts like yourself uh, teaching us uh, better ways to communicate with the animals, that can't be bad.
0: That's right, and you're right. Everybody knows how to communicate, especially with the animals that we call by dogs, our side. So the ones that, or well, for my case, in my lab, um, <laughs> I have my two hours sitting with me right now, enjoying the day with mommy staying home, doing uh, these radio interviews. And it's, um, it's amazing how people are able to relate to their own pets. And right. as a veterinarian and all other vets would agree that an owner knows what's going on with their baby better oh, than is, anyone else. Sure. We could examine, but if an owner says, no, I'm telling you, dog, it ain't right. I hear that a lot. (laughs) It ain't right. It ain't doing right. I know that that person really is perceiving something very honest and very true.
1: Right.
0: And so it's it's really wonderful having people that are so perceptive. But from a zoo setting, my zookeepers are unbelievable. They are the owner. They know how those collections are supposed to be acting, that animal, how much it eats, how little it eats. Right. What it likes to do, what its enrichment is like, and if they have't been acting normally, they know best better than anyone else if if something is wrong. So,
1: so yeah, no, go ahead. I'm just I'm, I'm concerned that in your book, you it talks about uh, you how you profile sixty different creatures. And yeah. so I mean, we obviously all animals communicate with each other some way somehow. If it's even just throwing a walnut in your face. They're trying to tell you something, right? I mean, they're trying yes. to tell you something. So out of the 60 different creatures that you feature in uh, How to Speak Animal for Nat Geo, what was your favorite creature?
0: Oh, that is so hard to say. I love all species. Oh. Um, I find, but when you talk about their unique forms of communication, it for me, I think the unique forms are things that, Uh, you don't think of right away you know like i find it so unbelievable that you know sharks can detect your electromagnetic aura your your pulse it can detect it in the water so you might not want to be communicating with that shark but just by being alive and having an electromagnetic pulse because anything that is alive has one
2: right
0: it is able to detect you And I think things of that nature, that that communicates, that's a signal to them that there is something there.
2: But it doesn't
1: have feelings. It just detects the being, right?
0: Well, that's a form of communication. It detects electromagnetic, the same way you might say, you know, um, pheromones. That's a form of communication. Animals are going to pee and they're going to release some glands. And those are all pheromones that they're releasing. So those are chemical signals. Um, that we're that we're talking about absolutely right so so we divide the book um by in the land in the water in the air and by our side just to kind of have an idea
1: sure
0: of where the animals are located and kind of what the main form of communication you'll you read on what the main form of communication is for these different animals and how they can actually be very very different even if they're living in the same place but um in the beginning of the book, we go into the forms of communication that we try to make simplified. So auditory, tactile, visual, and chemical. And chemical, as you know, is can be a little bit of in a variety, room,
1: yeah.
0: A variety. So you can have olfactory that you're sensing it for, via smell, or it can be a pheromone that you're detecting in other ways. So like pheromones, in, a lot of people think about horses. They might see the horse do the fling response where it lifts up its upper lip. It's trying to v- improve its ability to detect pheromones and taste and smell, and it's further exposing its vomeroid nasal organ. Right. So, so it's it's a unique way in this book to kind of. Okay, so I it.
1: mean, uh, you're, you're you're saying that the shark was your favorite?
0: It was really interesting.
1: So <laughs> I would say it was my favorite,
0: my my animal that I relate with because I've just worked with them for so many years. I love elephants.
1: I was just going to lead you into that because I read where you're doing uh, acupuncture yeah. with elephants. Now, I, as a human being, have gone through uh, acupuncture uh, at one point, and I uh, would say that I really didn't. I didn't feel like it did anything for me. Yeah, now, I was I able to say that as a me. human, I was able to say, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does the elephant uh, blow the snout and say back off, or do you say, Does it say, Oh, hey, thanks, that's great, I'm not going to stop on you today?
0: That's a I mean- great question, that's a really great question. I think the question becomes, What are you using it for, and how many sessions are you doing, and the frequency of the session? So, there aren't enough studies to prove in either direction that this is helping or hurting, okay. and I think. From anecdotal case studies, we see things for things like pain, it has shown to improve because we have proven how different um, chemicals are released when we okay. do acupuncture, acupuncture and those right. types. So So we can, if you will, show that it can assist with pain. But if somebody says it's going to help you with cancer or going to help you with
1: yeah, I used it right. I used it at one point because they told me it would help me stop smoking. It did not. So, so you know.
0: there you go. I'm not certain it's going to have that effect, and nobody has done enough studies to tell you otherwise. But for pain, I really like to use it for that aspect. Um, the Chinese used analogies where they would say meridians and and channels and chi, because they didn't have our current scientific words to describe these things. But meridians are essentially nerves. And we're able to see things through that, that the meridians that they described were brilliant, because many of the nerves are along these meridians exactly. So it's not this hocus pocus thing that they exactly describe. We're just finding better ways to understand a phenomenon that they were, Noticing. So now that we established that, how does an elephant tell me? So whenever I do medicine, they don't really tell me much of anything, but I'm watching behavior and I'm watching for changes. Mm -hmm. So when I'm doing acupuncture, it's usually as an adjunctive. I'm not doing it exclusively. I'm doing other things because if it has an infection, I'm not going to press these infectious points and hope it goes away. It needs medication. (laughs) So. So it's, that's why we combine these fields. That's why, you know, people still died thousands of years ago because acupuncture didn't solve it all. Right. We have to combine all these modalities that seem to somehow work. So if I don't have everything and I might say there's a medication I need, but we didn't have enough money we weren't enough donations to get that money right. um, to, to get that medication or if the medication needed to be refrigerated and there was no way for me to do that safely and keep it prepared then what am i going to do so what what i will do as an adjunctive is do some acupuncture if if there is something where i'm very convinced i know the condition and that this is truly going to help like with pain i'll do the acupuncture before i do it on any animal i always get permission points and then i get points of relaxation and i can tell right then and there and all my viewers can see right then and there that the animals totally go Right, are gonna close their eyes and they relax so I know it's working on those things
1: right all right so you being the uh you know the animal communication expert and uh you know from around the world we have stories where uh different animals uh, in particular since especially since uh uh covid when we locked down the cities and the animals decided that they could come back out and uh try to take over some of the areas uh they they uh we have stories from around the world where uh you know um uh, in particular uh packs of monkeys are attacking humans and uh has the experts called you in to say maybe you're trying to talk the monkeys down uh, are you trying to talk, <laughs> talk them down and say down. hey calm down
0: no nothing of that nature have i been called in the talking <laughs> co- COVID monkeys down but but more about um, mitigating conflicts with animals and human-animal conflict. So, for example, elephants that are encroaching on farmlands or, you know, right. things of that nature. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: which is, uh, which yeah. has been a big problem in a couple of countries, right? I mean, they're, they're definitely uh, destroying farmland and homes.
0: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, I do a lot of that kind of conflict analysis and understanding their behavior and their nature allows me to further assist in mitigating these kinds of conflicts and making sure elephants are happy and people are happy.
1: Well, I mean, that's saving saving their lives too, because I mean, most of the humans are, you know, while we're prepared to be nice for a while, only a while, right? I exactly. mean, you have to sooner or later, humans first. Doc, that's it. <laughs>
0: yes, yes. And, you know, in many in many circumstances, that is the case. But we have to find a way to find a balance. You know, in, in an immediate crisis, if an elephant is going to, you know, kill people or something of right, that nature, right. we have to protect that person. Sure. But in the... Less immediate. We have to find a way to mitigate it, so that way we can prevent it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what's causing
1: what's causing the elephants to act that way? No question about it. Maybe human encroachment. Oh, (laughs) it's not. No, it's elephant encroachment.
0: Right. That's right. (laughs) That's right. And so it really isn't that elephant's fault.
1: Well, Okay. All right. I know. I got. I got it. So the book "How to Speak Animal." So are you? What's next? Like, I know, you You know, you're speaking, you're obviously, you know, going around and uh, making sure we're able to communicate with animals and communicate as best we can, right, and, and create new okay. ways of communication so that we can hopefully survive, uh, you know, our species and their species on the same planet. Uh, yes, what's, next? Yes, co- what's
2: next?
0: coexistence with everyone. It's the yeah. One Health mechanism. So what's next is a lot of paper writing. Um, promoting the the message of this book and um, hosting campaigns for the book to get kids and and kids at heart and in, interested and intrigued and yeah. knowledgeable about animal communication and just respecting animals. And um, obviously, my foundation is continuing to do a lot of advocacy work and a lot of conservation work, mainly in Africa and Indonesia. What is that? And, uh, our conservation work, mainly working with rhinos, Sumatran elephants, Sumatran tigers.
1: What is the What is the foundation? And
0: the Gabby Wild Foundation. Oh,
1: okay. Duh.
0: So originally named. <laughs> no, no, no. Could be. No, so we, we continue to do that and getting more people involved. And you can learn more at gabbywild.org, Um, G A B B Y W I L D, and then uh, next year, Nat Geo and I have another cute little kids' book coming out. And. Um, awesome. Getting back in the wild and continuing to do the work—that's that's the key—is going uh, out.
1: So, are you uh, while you're traveling? Obviously, you know you talk about human encroachment, but uh, you know in some of the more populated countries, are you a proponent of zoos and uh, you know so that they keep the animals safe and still try to keep them uh, alive and keep their breeds going?
0: Yeah, I think it depends on the zoo. So if we're calling it like an AZA accredited zoo, where they are doing everything to promote conservation, where they're doing everything to promote, you know, fairness, they've done the science behind what is the right size for this kind of enclosure, they have veterinary staffing, the animal is a guest here, you know, it's we're not supposed to be gawking at them, because they should be back in the wild doing their Uh. thing. So yeah, that they're are our guests. We have to be treating them as a as a guest. So if it's an AVA accredited situation, of course I support what what the mission is. Right. Um, that's protecting them. But if it's a a zoo on the side road that you don't have regulations, I don't support that.
1: Doctor Gabby Watt. How to Speak Animal is the latest edition from uh, her and Nat Geo. Fascinating. Uh, Thank you for coming on Chewing the Fat today. I appreciate it. Good luck with your foundation. And uh, I promise that even though I believe in humans first, I'll think twice always that, uh, you know, perhaps I'm encroaching on their area. It's okay.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you very much. (laughs) Thank you for having me. All right, I'll do. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG.
1: It's Friday, time for what's being called America's favorite game show, What's the Lie? What's the lie? Where contestants try to decipher the lie from our count of one, two, three, four headlines. One of them is not true. Thus, that's where we get What's the Lie. Welcome, welcome to our contestant, Rob Borowski, Rob at TV's Rob official, host of what is now the former weekly show. On Woke. Welcome to What's the Lie. How are you?
2: Oh, I am so good, Jeffy. Thank you for having me here. I am so excited. I have heard this game show so many times, and I'm now eager to play. All right.
1: I mean, if you're ready to play four headlines and a lie, let's do it. Four headlines, and one is not real. One of them is the lie. Headline number one Ethiopian airline pilots fell asleep during a flight and missed their landing. Headline number two, wind turbine blades could be recycled into gummy bears, scientists say. Hungary's top forecasters were fired for incorrect rain prediction that caused Europe's biggest fireworks show to be canceled. Headline number four, if your landlord won't respond to your maintenance questions, you can hire this woman to act wild at their office Those are your four headlines on What's the Lie Ooh. Ooh. Ethiopian, headline, uh, Ethiopian airline pilots fall asleep during the flight and miss the landing Wind turbine blades could be recycled into gummy bears Hungary's top forecasters were fired for incorrect rain prediction That caused Europe's biggest fireworks show to be cancelled If your landlord won't respond to your maintenance questions, you can hire this woman to act wild at their office. Those are your four headlines, Rob. Now, listen, I want to say for the audience, I mean, I don't want to hear... Because that means you got it wrong. And I don't want to hear that. The audience doesn't want to hear it. We are rooting for you to be a grand prize winner. Well, a winner. Not a grand prize winner, really, but a winner. So... I mean, there's your headlines. Oh, man. So I'm trying to piece it all
2: together thinking like Jeffy. Okay. Because that is a dangerous place in anybody's mind to go to. Uh, So the Ethiopian one, I didn't even know they had airlines. so So that makes me want to go that direction. Okay. But the weather forecasters being fired and, okay when you add the second part i it. mean
1: i will say that we don't have all <laughs> oh, day oh there I is mean, a you time can work through you can work through uh, work through <laughs> these all you want but you know there's <sighs> i'd like to get out of here sometime today
2: so you know what i'm gonna go with my gut instincts i'm gonna go with the first one because ethiopians pilots doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me i don't even think they know what an airport is
1: wow dang it so sad no of course ethiopian airlines exist they're the one they had the big crashes the 737 (laughs) max it was them that went down you know why because they were always hungry and they did fall asleep they did fall asleep and then they after you get to a certain point after you put autopilot on the autopilot shuts off and says hey idiot fly the plane because they were sound asleep nobody could get a hold of them was it the low blood sugar Uh, cost them about 30 minutes they just missed if you were on the plane you probably didn't even know yeah we're just gonna have to turn this thing around a little bit we overshot our runway uh yes that's true so uh hey thanks for listening to what's the lie What's the Lie as a subsidiary of Chewing the Fat Enterprises. All information is probably accurate at the time of recording. CTF, WTL, MM, XX, II.
2: So, which one was it,
1: Jeffy? All right, so I'll be happy to tell you. All right, now Would this you? one. Well, uh, the wind turbine blades uh, that could be recycled into gummy bears. True. Which I thought, wow. I mean, that, that story See, just blew me away.
2: That one didn't even factor in, because I figured some scientists would say. Yeah,
1: the, the, and I, I believe that they should use the wind turbines as a fence along the border. Just turn every other one ups, upside down, every other one right along the border. They're huge. They Decorative. can't be recycled, and you just use them as a fence. I'm not climbing over those things. I mean, it's just an idea that uh, here at Two a Fat, I'm trying to help the country out a little bit. Save them a little money. Do you keep the bird poop on them, though? whatever whatever i mean if they're if we're going to take them down and bury them in giant holes let's put them in the ground and use them as a fence but again what do i know nothing uh the hungary's top forecaster that was fired for incorrect rain prediction yeah that was true i mean hello you cancel you made us cancel a fireworks show uh get off the air so this the one that was the lie actually would be a good business plan i mean it's a million dollar idea well at least maybe a you know a tens of thousands of dollar idea. Uh, if your landlord won't respond to your maintenance, there's no woman you can hire to go act wild in your place. But there should be. Damn it, there should be. I should have. I knew I should have gone with
2: that one. That was the second. That was the second pick. Was it? Yes, that was my second pick. Was because it? Because it sounded like a Jeffy scheme. It sounded like a Jeffy scam. <laughs> And I knew that I should have gone that
1: direction. Thanks for stopping by.
2: <laughs> Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theBlaze.com podcasts.